Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Momming Autism podcast, where we are providing a positive platform for parents to share their stories about raising special needs children. We are your hosts, Amanda DeLuca and Katie MD, and today we have the pleasure of doing our first ever dual podcast collaboration with Kirby Morgan. Hi, um, my name is Kirby Morgan, and I have a podcast, Advocate and Beyond, where I provide a platform for parents, to therapists, to people with autism spectrum disorder, where we all discuss and advocacy and better ways to advocate and bring resources to our communities. So Kirby, can you go ahead and give um, everybody a brief introduction to you and kind of um, a little bit about your journey? What makes this collaboration Um, I think so natural is you and I are both master IEP coaches. We went through Catherine Witcher's program and then Katie is also um, an IEP advocate in Canada. So the three of us really have um, so much to bring for parents who want to know more about coming to the table informed. Yes, my journey actually began organically through my son. And through my son was my first experience at the IEP table and it was a shocking experience there were so many people and there wasn't a sense of collaboration and i just felt there was a better there had to be a better way so i linked up with disability rights in california and i began learning on my own everything i could about special education and how to advocate for my little boy to get services which inevitably led me to find Catherine Witcher's program, which I highly recommend and is amazing, so that I could become a more collaborative member of the IEP team and help parents who are lost like I was six years ago when my son was just coming to his first IEP. I think what you said rings true for so many of us that um, it was a very intimidating process. You come to the table and you feel like it's you and them Um, that unless you um, have someone to help you or have been through um, a program like like we have, it's hard to find that collaborative approach and it feels so us versus them for many parents. Absolutely, I felt that from the second I sat at the IEP table and I just knew that there was, had to be a better way. And through um, research and these programs, that Catherine has put out, you, I have really learned to become a collaborative member and my son's journey and my client's journeys have taken such a turn and I can see what the difference is between a collaborative team and a me versus them team. Yeah, so Katie, um, Kirby and I both went through the Master IEP Coach program. Can you kind of talk a little bit about how you became um, a part of so many people's IEP team? So ours happened really just organically. Um, I fell into family's IEP. That's that's really the only way I can explain it. Uh, we started with our own personal journey, trying to get supports in place and resources and get our IP up to, you know, a support level that would best help Avery. And really through social media, and me advocating for my own son, Avery, and telling our story and our journey, 
uh, family started reaching out to me and saying, you know, I love how honest you are, or I love how, you know, you're very um, descriptive when you talk about this part of an IEP, you know, and wanted, wanted to ask me questions. So that's kind of the way it started. You know, they would ask me a question, I'd give them an answer. Um, I would say, you know, try saying this or try, you know, reaching out to your SLP. And really something that just started off as me answering questions that families had that live here turned into getting phone calls and being a part of, you know, sitting down at the table with these families. So they were heard. A lot of them felt like they weren't being heard. They weren't being listened to. um, And that they had a lot of feelings involved sitting at the table where I didn't necessarily. Um, I could take the emotion out of it and say, these are the facts. This is what this child needs. What are we going to do as a team to get this child to where they need to be? So word kind of had got out when I very first started doing it. And then it just kind of spreaded like wildfire. So it is something that organically happened and has literally changed my life in the sense of having a better understanding, not only about autism, but that there is such a spectrum of special needs and there is such a spectrum of just what our kids um, need for support. And just from being on various IEPs with kids of you know all different ages, I have a better understanding. Which, which I am so grateful for and has just been a wealth of, you know, information and knowledge. I think all of our journeys kind of started the same where we knew we needed to know more as special needs parents and other parents wanted the information that we had. But it's so time consuming as a parent to research this yourself with good information, not just anything that pops up on Google. Would you say, Kirby? Yes. I mean, even at the very beginning, when I just would uh, bought my first rights law book, I would stay up at night. I would finally get my son to sleep and I would stay up highlighting points that sh- I should mention in his IEP or points that I needed to, I, I've made like a little checklist and like, for myself like all these are all the things that i need to be saying that i never even knew about i spent endless hours researching and that's why i was so happy when i found Catherine's program because she put such a wealth of knowledge into uh a self cliff i call i call it cliff yes notes. like a self-paced like- cliff notes program yes Here's what you really need to know. Don't worry about the extra fluff. Here are the actual facts. And I can remember um, reviewing Jackson's IEP. Like my eyes were so heavy and my highlighters and I had coffee everywhere because I'm like, there has to be an easier way than trying to just come to the table, me versus them. And through advocacy letters and Um, you know, preparing an agenda, I've learned how to help not make it such a daunting process. Right. I always felt like I was gearing up for a fight. And now the first thing I tell my clients is, 
this is your team and we have to find a collab. Like, so the mindset that I have now is so different, but when you don't know anything and you don't know how to approach the team and you're constantly met with closed doors, you are, it's, it's exhausting and it feels like you have the weight of the world on your shoulders. So I understand why all the parents who came to us were like, we need to know what you know, because I was in their shoes. Mm -hmm. I also, um, Katie, you said um, that you can take the emotion out of it. And that's something that I still struggle with to this day. Um, Before we go into an IEP meeting, I look at Sal and say, I'm talking to you like Jackson is our client because I'm not at a table right now. You need to write this down and you need to remember this, this, and this. Because once I go to the table, I'm no longer working for a client. It's Jackson at that meeting. But for other parents, I can keep the emotion out of advocacy. I'm still working on it for my own. I think that's a challenge for everyone. Wouldn't you agree, Katie? You know, it I think is something that you know, hurt me so bad. And, and I, you know, I have posts and things that I've talked about years ago, um, that I've shared on social media, but nothing recent that we felt so alone in our journey with Avery. And I had no idea that, you know, there was other kids. Like I just, I was clueless that had autism that were, you know, needed support in schools. I, I was clueless at the very, very beginning. So It was something that hurt me so deep that once I found out that there was other families that were struggling, there was other families that were having these, you know, horrible IEP experiences, that that was the, you know, the hurt that I carried and the hurt that I had was my strength to be able to take the emotion out because I wanted to fight that hard for those families. Um, I was able to take it out because I was you know, just in disbelief and uh, so concerned that these kids were going to go through the education system or, you know, they were going to go through early intervention and maybe not get everything that they need to live their very best life. So our, our, our personal struggle and then, you know, with everything that we had experienced with Avery and then also just kind of this hurt that I held on to gave me the kind of the strength and the voice that I needed to be able to take the emotion out. So when I was sitting at the table for somebody else's IEP, I was able to say, this is what we need. This is what we need to get done. And this is your time limit. And and every time that I sat at the table, there was something that was, you know, dated, stamped, everything like that. And um, I was very, I was very forthcoming about what my expectations were of rest of the team and that is why families come to me when their child is in crisis where we live because i am known to um get families to make their stories public um i'm a very big believer in that because of where we live and the lack of services that exist here and the lack of support um and so a good chunk of families that we have worked with and you know help them with their ieps they have came forward with their stories saying you know um through social media through the news things like that um and and getting it out there and known to the public that these kids with you know special needs these kids with autism you know these kids that need support in our classrooms they exist 
these kids are real, these families are real, and they are struggling, and they are grasping at straws to come out on the other side. Like, so that is what I I am known for here um, is is helping families with IEPs and getting their kids, you know, to where they need to be and the supports they need, and you know, it was that hurt, it was that you know that pain that you know as a as a community as uh you know a province that we live in we're letting this happen we're we're letting these kids struggle we're letting you know our schools not have enough support all of these things and it was all that hurt and just all that kind of you know um overwhelming feeling that pushed me so far to not only share our story but i was like i'm going in at full full tilt here no filter no nothing i'm going to you know speak in legislation i'm going to go on the radio i'm going to go in the news and to be completely honest people thought i was crazy they're like oh like did you see what that katie's doing like you know because it was it was very hard to take at first it was like here's this girl this mom who has a child on the spectrum and she is shattering you know kind of the safety net that we all know she's coming into school she's you know public speaking she's doing this she's doing that and this mom never went to university for it so you know it was a lot for people to take and why was I allowed to come to the table that was another huge hurdle that I had to uh, prove my worth that I was valuable that I was worthy to sit at these you know, in these meetings, in these IEP meetings, that I was of, of value to a division. I was of value to a school, um, which was extremely hard because unlike, um, you know, Kirby and, and, you know, you, Amanda, like you guys have your, you know, master IEP. I didn't. So I was self-taught and also had to research and reach out to universities and, talk to um, professors and all of these things so it was overly time consuming but it was worth every single minute and I wouldn't take any of it back so I think it's important to make two notes one um, you said families come to you in crisis mode Kirby and I prefer that um, all master IEP coach clients come to us before they're in crisis mode that's, that's not <laughs> usually the case though Amanda that I have no it's not no, it's not, but it makes our job so much It easier. does. Mm -hmm. I think um, I, what Katie said that was super important to me that hit a note with me was that she had no idea that this even went on, that there were kids that were struggling. Like, I felt the exact same way, Katie. I had no idea that there were kids as severe as Jaden was at that and needing the support that my son needed and that were also struggling and being denied and sitting in the classroom in a corner because nobody's equipped to educate them. It was heartbreaking to me as well. And it's like a world you don't know unless you're like lodged into it somehow, I feel like. I would have never known this world even existed without my son Jaden. Oh, I agree. I was um, I was blind to so much of the world, I think, before autism was a part of our life. Well, until you know, and that's I think that's something so important that, you know, everybody understands and everybody recognizes and knows is that regardless, you know, 
what somebody tells you and you just, you know, hear through conversation or, you know, just something you even see on the news. I always hear a lot back from, you know, family members and, and people that we come into contact with. They're like, what are these families complaining about? You know, because somebody who doesn't understand our world and understand our life and understand the things we experience, you know, with our children going to school in regards to safety or education or whatever it may be, it it really does seem from someone outside looking in that we have it pretty great. Like, what 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 would the problem be? Like, what would we need help with? And and I feel like that is a lot of people's attitudes. Um, so I know when I started, you know, uh, publicly, you know, talking and sharing about our journey and and then getting involved with IEPs, that was something that always came, you know, somewhere along in our in our journey and somewhere along our path. Someone would, you know, talk to me, be it in the grocery store or when I was out public speaking and saying like, okay, like, you know, does, you know, do families that have kids with autism, do they really need funding? Like, so people don't know and that's why you know for our family and for me it was so important when I had found families that were struggling and that were in the thick of it and that were you know had did everything you know that they needed to do be it you know jump through every single hoop and things were still not going you know a way that they should be going and they still weren't receiving support and still weren't receiving help you know I would come in and I'd be like okay, you know what we're going to do? We're going to share your story. And for so many moms and, you know, a few dads, I had the privilege of being able to, you know, help and support. Um, I helped them. I helped them write what they were going to share, you know, on social media, what they were going to share, you know, when they spoke to a news crew and how they were going to say it and how they were going to take, you know, not all of the emotion, but some of the emotion out and how they were going to drive their point home that their child matters, that their child's education matters, and that their child deserves the best life ever. So um, it is it is what we do, and, and it is something that I think is so important that pu- just the public and, you know, communities and everyone knows is that these families are not, you know, laying it on thick. They're not, you know, trying to, you know, really just, you know, make you feel sorry for them or anything like that. Um, families like us, we're, we're sharing our truth. We're telling our story because we're having a hard time. And, you know, for our family, there was points in our journey, even up to now, that sometimes we're suffocating. We're suffocating and nobody knows. Nobody knows and no one can begin to understand what we go through in our day-to-day. I think it's important um, for listeners to understand that where you're at in Canada, well, Canada maybe as a whole, they can't say, um, they can say, no, we don't have the money. Yes. That is not not an excuse. Um, In the United States, under IDEA law, they cannot blame lack of funding. So I think that's kind of important um, to share, which is why your um, method of advocacy is so different than what Kirby and I um, are doing because your rules are different. Yeah, you're playing. And, and I think we've, we've talked about this 
before um, is that, you know, and it's something for people to understand. Things are much different in Canada than they are in the in the USA. So uh, for us, it is definitely a different approach. And, you know, here um, they they can say so that's, you know, a really huge problem that families run into um, where we live is that they will have you know their their child's ABA center or um, you know their school say that there's no money so it makes things very very tricky it makes things very difficult and um, the families up here they have to fight really really hard for their kids and it's exhausting it's exhausting to want um, your child to have something and and be supported and have to fight so hard for it be it you know um as something as simple as a swing you know yeah yeah, funding is completely different so let's um go into why everyone probably is actually tuning in um although i'm sure they love to hear all about our journeys because we love to tell them but let's talk tips because everybody wants a tip (laughs) kirby why don't you my favorite iep tip is when you walk into the room own your seat at the table you're going to meet a lot of people that are experts in their field and nobody is a better expert on your child than you so i want all the parents to walk into the room with confidence and to own their seat at the table absolutely you are the only member of your child's iep team that will never change everyone else will rotate in and out you are a forever member and you are an equal member of the team. Your opinion, your data also matters at that table. It's not them reading you a document. Your input should be considered also. Katie, what about you? What's your what's one of your top tips? You know what? That's the one thing like I have a lot of things that I always think of to tell parents in in IEP, but the one thing that always keeps coming up and and in IEPs or just in general when you have a child um, that's going to school or just any part of your journey really is to write all the things down, write it all down, everything, write everything down when you, you know, you have a question about an IEP you write it down and then if you're going to you know ask a question don't do it over the phone don't don't call somebody don't do that you send it by email you send it by email you date you know date it everything and you don't wait for them to get back to you you know you go and check in like two days later if they haven't responded to you um i find that families don't always write things down and they um think that rest of the team is going to write something down um or you know keep track or make notes things like that so my tip really for ieps or just anything in general when it comes to your child's is to write everything down you might feel like you're writing too much and that's great write everything down who's present in your meetings what's happening what was said why was it said how even you can even write in there and i've had lots of families do this um during an iep like they'll write a little note beside something saying like they're uncomfortable with something and it might not get brought up in that meeting but it'll get brought up in the next one saying that a certain point on an iep made them uncomfortable or if they're they don't agree to it but to always write things down because as parents i feel like we tend to forget things i do anyways i i do quite a bit that 
if I write it down, it's in writing and I can always reference back to it. And I think that will help, you know, not only you as a parent, you know, going through everything and being at the table for IEPs, but it helps your team, you know, in the sense that you can hold them accountable for what is going on. And I think not only writing things down, but learning to get organized. Um, I needed to file things into binders from um, evaluations to progress reports to meeting notes to the actual IEP itself, having all of that organized in binders so that if something comes up at a meeting, you can, and um, there's a, a disagreement or um, there's a difference in opinions on what um, they felt the most recent data is, you can pull out um, your notes and they're very, very organized and it helps make everything move a little smoother for the team. Yes, I also would like to add, I like to just follow up to communication with the team. Even if I said something to the teacher in the car line pickup, I like to follow up with an email that says, hey, just a quick summary of our conversation today. And I always end something like, if there's something I didn't understand, or this isn't, if I'm not understanding what you said correctly, let me know. So like, even if we had a verbal conversation, I like to sum it up with writing um, afterwards. And I like to put it um, and end it so that there's no, if the, there's any miscommunications, it can be cleared up before it goes too far. Well, not only that, but it gives you a really easy way to track it. You know that you talk to your teacher on Thursday at pickup, it's now Tuesday and this subject has come up again, well, I'll just go back to my email from Thursday and I can reference our conversation as it actually happened. So important. Um, I also wanna, I guess my tip um, is kind of gonna go back to what Katie said in the beginning where she said she had to prove her worth at the table. So here um, in the States, you can bring anyone that you wish to your IEP meeting. So if it's your aunt who's coming with you just to take notes, she is welcome at the table. If it's somebody who does what Katie or Kirby or I do as a um, IEP coach or IEP advocate, whatever they have themselves labeled as, to help ask questions, to help keep the team on task, that's also um, allowed. You are allowed to bring support personnel with you to the IEP meeting um, at any point in time. And also, don't think that your IEP has to be figured out in one day. Um, we need to just focus on some major concerns, work on that for one day. You can always come back to your IEP later. There are lots of kiddos who have to have their IEP updated mid-year because um, goals either aren't working or goals have been reached or there's new data to support new things that need to be worked on. That absolutely can happen. That IEP doesn't have to stay as it is for one whole year. Right, I always tell my parents that your IEP is a working document. So as you get your progress reports or as you're communicating with your team, if you're finding issues, we like to kind of put the fire out before they start. So we try to find out as much information we can before the IEP meeting, but we bring the team back to the table if it needs to be changed and revised. It is a working deck document and we do communicate outside of the IEP, but we can always bring the team back together if needed. 
especially now with Zoom um, and phone conferences, it's easier than ever. And that's allowed. It doesn't have to be an in-person meeting at the table for a meeting to take place. No, and I think that um, I know COVID has thrown a wrench in everything, but it has made IEPs, I think, more efficient and easier to schedule for the entire team. I agree. I, I don't mind a virtual meeting to be No, I don't honest. either. I think my clients feel more comfortable too. And I even before COVID, I started practicing virtual meetings. Yes, yes. So Kirby, where can um, the listeners of the Momming Autism podcast find you so that they can um, A, find your podcast and B, follow you for more IEP tips yes, and information? Yes, they can follow me at Kirby Morgan Advocate and Beyond the podcast or Kirby Morgan Advocate and Beyond.com. It will bring you to my website, which my website started first as a blog for my son. So you will get to know me, but I do have an advocacy link and a resource page as well. So if any of your listeners are in California, there's a lot of great information there for parents in California, because that's where I'm at. So I specialize here in California. Wonderful. Katie, what about you? Where can Kirby's listeners find you? Everybody can find our family on Facebook. We have a page called A Journey for Avery. And then also I share a little bit more detail about our journey and the adventures we go on as a family and a little bit of advocacy uh, through Instagram. And that is just KDMD. And Amanda, where can my listeners find you? Uh, You can find me on Facebook at Jackson's Journey, Jackson's Voice. That's where I share a lot of our um, parenting and autism um, life. For advocacy information, you can find me at Advocate Out Loud dash Amanda DeLuca on Facebook. Um, And I also have Instagram under Jackson's Journey, Jackson's Voice as well. And my name, Amanda DeLuca. I will be sure to type everyone's name um, in our episode description. And Kirby, I can send that information to you too, so that you can have that in yours as well, so that people don't have to frantically check spelling and everything based on audio, if that's okay with you. Well, ladies, thank you so very much for uh, joining us and for sharing all of your knowledge and your passion. I think IEPs are definitely something that every special needs parent has stressed about, lost sleep over, and um, loves any bit of information they can get because I know that I feel that way. Well, thank you for having me. Katie, are you still there? Yes, I am. (laughs) All right, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. And until next time, we will talk to you later.